We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, just a quick note about today's episode. I have a croaky voice. In the beginning, it's pretty bad, and then it gets a little better. So if you bear with it, uh, my voice sort of woke up and cleared up, uh, and you may know or may not know why it's croaky, but that's discussed. So I just wanted to give you a fair warning. Um, it's not great at the beginning, but it, it does become listenable, at least I, I think, I hope. Uh, and hopefully it'll all be better for the next episode. So thanks for that. Also, just a quick heads up, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision. You'll be hearing more about them later. Okay, on to the episode. Sometimes it's hard to know how somebody's weekend went, but my voice should give it all away. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Crokey Gunner. Uh, No, at Yankee Gunner. Um, So, I'm going to try to get through this podcast. Uh, If you think my voice sounds croaky now, you should have heard it when I woke up. Uh, This is good compared to how it was before. Um, and it's funny, I often joke that I listen to the Arsecast before recording this, so I have I know what opinions to say, but I listened to the Arsecast beforehand this time, literally because I have no recollection of anything that occurred and needed to just know what happened. So I do want to thank Andrew for that. We're going to cover the weekend that was a little bit and talk a little bit about the connection and the experience, but I, I do want to assure you we're also going to talk about the football, the result, and what it means. Um, I think it is important to emphasize community and connection, but also to recognize that the reason any of this is here, the podcast and and the community and all that is because we talk about the football and we talk about the transfers and we talk about the meaning of it. So I don't want to gloss over that because that is the core of it. But I have to introduce people I'm doing that with. One of them is Tim. You can find him on Twitter. Hello, Tim. Hello there. And Clive. You can find him on Twitter. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. So, Clive, you sound chipper and happy, and that may have something to do with the fact that you uh, exited the scene slightly earlier than the rest of us. <laughs> See, you have to have some life experience. You have to look around the room, <laughs> read that room, and when you start seeing people hanging off each other, you think, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> but I have got a busy trip today, and I need to uh, have half a brain for it. So um, I, I saved mm. that half of my brain for that. So, yeah. 
Well, I um, I have about three quarters of a brain right now at the most, but uh, yeah, three nights in a row of making it to 4 a.m. with a kebab shop stop along the way has left me in a bit of a state, but uh, we'll see how Tim's doing. Tim's on Twitter, still Berto. Still Berto. Hello, Tim. Hello there. You have already introduced me once, so... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Incredible. Um, the, the, the start start as you mean to go on, I think is what they said. Um, you should have just, so, just gone through it, Tim, and say, yeah, <laughs> then you hear it afterwards and go, what did I do? <laughs> oh God, I, maybe if I put this mic down, can I put my head on the desk? No, that doesn't work. Okay. Um, so... I am recording this from a hotel room in London still. Uh, there's a lot to cover, but I, I do want to cover the weekend because I think it, it is an interesting one and, and hopefully something that you want to hear about. And then we will come on to the football in a more substantial kind of way. Um, as you know, Paul and myself in London this weekend, Andrew uh, Arsblog in London, his first trip here uh, since the pandemic, Tim and Clive in London, a little bit easier and more traditional for them to to be there, but um, all for really two reasons. One, to be at the game yesterday, but also to do a live event at the Union Chapel on Saturday night. And I guess, Tim, I'll start with you. Um, just even walking into it before anyone was there and seeing the setup and, and saying hi to everybody, like there was palpable anxiety and excitement in the air. It felt a little overwhelming seeing the, uh, seeing the environment, but then walking out on the stage and, you know, over 800 people being there. The first thing I want to do is just say to anyone who was there, thank you so much. You have no idea how overwhelming it was. Even if you were just there for Andrew, um, I'm going to pretend you were there for us too. And I I hope some of you were, Um, but yeah, it really was incredible. And I'm curious how that moment struck you. Cause for me, it was really an overwhelming moment. I'll remember forever. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Like, like you said, when we walked into the place and it was empty, and just seeing like the big logos there um, on stage, our respective logos kind of side by side was was you know just a really nice moment. Um, particularly when you do something you know in your house, um, you know, pretty much every episode we've ever done, um, bar like one other live event, we've all just done like in our house. Um, so like, but but like being able to. Yeah, just be, being able to feel the love in the room, the mutual love, um, I'd say, in the room, and uh, yeah, like like one of one of uh, one of the best moments of my life, I have to say, and and like for me, it it was excitement. Like I didn't have, um, I didn't really have the anxiety. I'm not a presenter, so for you, Elliot and Andrew, <laughs> I, I realise that's a tougher gig because you've got to hold the thing together and have the running order and stuff. Like me, Clive and Paul just turn up and talk. And honestly, I think I said this to some people on Saturday night, it's the easiest gig in the world. It really is. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's I, like, I can't believe I get to do this because it's just, it like for me, like even because usually you know, if you're nervous about something, like you're worried about getting something wrong or whatever. But for me, like, I, d- I don't know, like talking about Arsenal, is like, it's like asking me to go on stage and count to 10. Like, I know I can do that. I don't, I don't need to <laughs> like, I don't need to think about it that much um, or do like an awful lot of prep. And I know like the show doesn't like live and die with me as, and, and, and even James as well, you know, who, was more in a kind of co-presenter mode than the rest of us yeah. but i i absolutely loved it i loved every single second of it like just before kind of taking it all in and then i loved doing the show i thought the show was great i'm, I'm gonna watch it back today i can't wait to watch it um i thought everyone was on great form the audience was on great form that was my only anxiety coming in was like oh no like the results haven't gone the way that we wanted them to go 
um, this week and will that take a bit of the edge off but I really don't think it did I think there was enough distance perhaps from that Newcastle game maybe if that had happened like on Thursday or something um, we might have we might have seen that but no I, I loved every single second and, and I can't wait to do it again yeah, and, and just uh, for the record, I, I spoke to Andrew before he left this morning, got to say goodbye to him, and uh, we are going to put it out, both of us, as um, you know, as a podcast as well, so you'll be able to hear it in that respect. Um, it, it really was wonderful, and, and and the thing that was wonderful, too, is we got to meet so many of the people afterwards. Um, I got to meet some of the people before that, the night before, and if you hear rumors or see videos suggesting that I was at a karaoke bar at 3 a.m. in the morning, like I just want to say that those are deep fakes, that that's not real, that never happened, and I deny it uh, unequivocally. But Clive, the the thing that really stands out is just the intelligence, compassion, consideration, kindness of the people that are there. And like, it's not just people being like, I love Mikel Arteta, or, uh, you know, everything's great. Like, people have critical thoughts, people have disagreements, but the room was filled with people who were excited to be together, excited to to talk about the arsenal, to share an appreciation for all the stuff that we all care about together. And And it really was overwhelming, but also overwhelming to the extent that I don't think I had one negative interaction, you know, the whole weekend. It really is remarkable. Yeah, that's what we spoke about, wasn't it? Right? It's not just the number of people. It's the quality of those people. And I, you know, I, I love the live event, but I almost love the after bit just as much. Do you know what I mean? Um, getting yeah. to have uh, one-on-one conversations with people and really understanding how we interject into their lives. And, and it's something that you can never take for granted. Um, we're out there in, in the public arena and, and the public can say anything they like. I said on stage, no one's come up to me and punched me in the mouth yet, which is a good thing. <laughs> but but it's, there's a message behind that where people are incredibly, incredibly nice. And I met some, I met some really nice people, you know, um, people I've met, uh, sort of known before and but now met them for in real life and um, people inside and outside of the club. And it's just like things that will stay with me, you know, a couple of things just to mention, just, just walking out on stage, right? And, um, and seeing, well, sort of, I got a tweet beforehand saying, showing the queue outside. And then you thought, okay, this is real. This is real. This I is started happening. to get pretty nervous. Yeah, this is happening. <laughs> this is when this is when it's really good, right? Because me and me and Tim just went straight to the fridge, right? There, there's a fridge there full of beer, and the only way to calm any sort of nerves was like let's just get into that fridge and start getting stuck Baronies. into that, which we did really, really well, right? So by the time it came along, it was no problem. Then we sort of walked out, and uh, it just it just erupted, and I thought, okay. We're, we're all good, right? So um, football's what we do. And um, once Elliot and Andrew gives us time to talk to him, we're right, in we, mate? <laughs> we're absolutely well, fine. Well, I, I, I mean, to be fair, th- there was the one technical glitch of Paul not remembering he had to speak into a microphone. We had handheld microphones, and, and Paul kept putting his on the table, and then when it was his time to talk, you forget to pick the microphone up. And you're like, how do you not know by now to speak into a microphone? It was so funny. Yeah, people people are just really nice, and we spend a lot of our times online, and we can see people having discourse and arguments. They're just, just different, different sort of opinions. And when you meet people in real life, they just want to say hello and thank you and and have a chat and for me that's what life's all about meeting people connecting with people and having those conversations and um i just really appreciate it and i just want to thank everybody that came up and spent time with myself and all the other guys as well and and the good grace which you showed us i, I i'm never going to forget this moment honestly i'll never forget it 
Yeah, there are weird things for me too. Like I got to meet Teo from the Tuesday Club, who I've listened yeah, to forever. Too. He's yeah. like, "Oh, I just like your podcast. It's nice to meet you." And I'm like, "No, I like your podcast. It's nice to meet you." Um, or you know, Julian Laurence, who I got to meet, who like I've been listening to for a long time, and just really respect his ability to to speak about the game. And you know, like to meet him in that circumstance was just that was so bizarre. Tim, I mean that. That was my fanboy yeah, moment, right? That, that was really, your fanboy moment. <laughs> I really, I really like him. And then I would there was there's a moment, my moment of the night. I said something half sensible, I hope, and I just saw him nodding. I thought, I've made it, son. You've made it, son. <laughs> <laughs> You've made it. Julian Laurent is just nodding away. Uh, this is my moment. You can, you can kill me now, right? So that was good. Yeah, and I mean, there are people you've heard on this podcast, you know, who were there. Uh, Matt from Giant Gooner was there. You know, it was great to see him. It's so funny that like. We grew up in the same town, went to the same high school. First time I see him is in London, you know. Um, Tim, like, it, it is, and we'll sort of move forward from this to the final day. I, I don't want to make this too self-referential, but, like, be, the reason I think it's important to discuss is because a lot of the people listening will either have been there or been out and about this weekend or, you know, may have watched online or, or whatnot. And, like, yeah, the the interaction with people is really extraordinary. And, you know, at the end, there was an Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal chant, which, like, gave me... I like hit me in the feels a little bit. I got to be honest. And like, um, the one thing that was, that was great to hear from people is that it meant a lot to them too. And so I, I just think it's a, a, as big a thank you as I can say to the, to the people that were there, to the people that will be at the next one or are listening now, because, um, if, if that group is any indication of the character, the quality, the in, intelligence of the people who are listening now, it's a, uh, it's a great reflection on all of us, you know? It is. It really is. And I'm, I'm glad you kind of referenced that chant at the end because that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about that. That's the thing we all coalesce around and the reason, you know, we came together in that way. And, and, and obviously, like the amount of people at the end as well who reference, like, you know, during lockdown and stuff like that, um, how much like, like that really stuck out to people that like the medium of podcasting just became, I think, a bit more important, maybe. Um, maybe more than like it was good to think about or realize at the time, but like obviously, again, the pandemic isn't over. Um, but you know, hopefully, we've come out of that like really dark point of the pandemic, and um, and so to be able to get together in that way was was really really special, and to hear so many people say as well, like particularly during lockdown, or I started listening to you guys during lockdown because. I had more time to listen to podcasts and stuff like that. I think, you know, and that's what for me, this whole season has been about really. Um, no, I mean, not so much on the pitch because of that. That's, it's not a separate thing, but it kind of is a separate thing. And we'll talk about on the pitch and the manager and the players and all of that. But being able to come back together this season has, has been like the most powerful thing. And one of the reasons I've enjoyed this season so much even irregardless of what's going on on the pitch. And just like even back in August, I was thinking back to that Brentford game, which feels like a hundred years ago now, but, you know, going back to that game and it just being like, wow, I'm in a full stadium again. This feels a bit, this feels yeah. a bit weird, but how quickly it just became normal again. And I'm trying not to take it for granted. You know, I'm trying to think to myself. You don't want to lose that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, because I went into the season thinking, ah, oh, maybe in the winter, you know, maybe we'll get like reduced capacities again or something. And, and look, that could be on the table next season. We still don't know yet, but that didn't happen. 
um, at any point. Like we got the full season with the full experience, and and so to be able to cap it off with like a live event like that, um, you know, it's 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 a symptom of the time in which we're living. Um, and I, and I'd, I'd like to think that maybe when I look back at this in I don't know five ten years time, I really hope I look at like this whole weekend we've we've just had in the live event and think, yeah, that's when I felt like the pandemic was kind of moving behind us you know yeah it's quite quite a nice coda to put on it hopefully and there there are a few little details to this weekend that like i i I hope i never forget but will be hard to convey like i told you the one about like paul not remembering to like use the microphone was pretty funny i don't know if uh those of you listening know this about andrew arsblog but like he hates phil collins and it just turns out that the playlist of music that Union Chapel like plays lightly in the background after events was like a long Phil Collins playlist. I don't think that was intentional, but it was rather hilarious watching him get more and more worked up and yelling through the auditorium. Can someone turn that off? Um, so that that was quite funny. There was us trying to find a, a, a local to go to after the event and being like, oh, here's one around the corner. And I look at the number of people we're like walking down the street with and I look at the size of the building and I'm like, this number of people is not going to fit in that size of the building. Um, but we tried to pack it in. Uh, it was like the old school 1950s, like phone booth packing stuff or whatever that was. Uh, I was not alive for it, I promise. So yeah, just a lot of uh, fun moments. Now, the the game obviously was, I think, an occasion that most of us probably knew was going to be more about hoping to give the team a good send-off, have a final good memory. I don't think there was an anticipation of the miracle TM happening, and it didn't happen, and that's fine. Um, you know, we put ourselves in a position where it probably wasn't going to be doable on the final day, and it wasn't. Um, it's interesting because I, I walked down with Andrew to do his preview pod at the Emirates Stadium the day before the game, and um, it, it is, I think, for the best for me, that I am not living here, that I don't go to the games all the time, both because of how I sound right now, but also because I do find it difficult to care about the results and the position in the table and the tactics and the transfers because I do get swept up in the connection and the relationships and the experience. And it's great to be swept up like that two or three times a season, but if you're in the trying to have analytical viewpoints business, <laughs> um, it's difficult for me, and and I'll come to you on that in a moment, Tim, because I want to ask you about that. But Clive, like that, that is something that is hard for me, and and I want to be able to look. Andrew wrote it in his blog better than I can say it. The results matter. The position in the table matters. No one's here just for the hugs and the feels and the community. Like we're also here for the results and the tactics and the performances. For me, being there, it becomes about the experience, and the other stuff sort of fades away. And I'm wondering how you're able to go to that game on a beautiful sunny day and sing the songs and see the Everton fans going crazy and and see the Ashburton Army, those the young guys doing such a great job to lift the atmosphere in the stadium, and like how you're able to still keep your sort of analytical hat on. Because for me, I I struggle with that. <laughs> Well, the first thing I I don't do I don't drink a bottle of Jameson, so I don't do that. That sort of helps. But um, but what I do mm, do do you know anyone that does that? Because that doesn't sound like a good idea at all. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I say this all the time to you. We've had a, we've had a previous chat about this, but it's about finding your own balance when it comes to football, right? So and find your own inputs, right? So I I personally like to go to a set number of games. Um, because it suits me because then I can see and feel 
but it's almost like when you have a, a young relative, like a niece or a nephew, and if you don't see them for two months, you can see how much they've grown. If you see them every day, maybe you, you can't see them as clearly. You see slightly different things. So I go, I select my games really sort of carefully, go to around you know, 10 to 12 games a season probably, and I will increase that probably a bit away next year. I think that's a different experience again. And then I have other football input. So, you know, I watch youth football, uh, academy football. Obviously, I'm involved in non-league. Um, and sometimes just having a different feel and perspective to the game provides an input which allows you to see the Arsenal and talk about Arsenal in a way that people can understand. Another thing I try to do, funny enough, I try to watch rugby a lot as well. Again, a different game, a slightly different culture. But again, it's about, it's a, it's a team sport, right? So, um, and there are lots of similarities by the way people talk about it, coach about it, how coaches uh, simulate to players. And it all provides an input. But every now and again, you've got to go and see it and feel it, you know, and then see what people are thinking. And there's a difference between what you read on my iPad versus what you see and feel in the stadium. And to, you have to appreciate that difference, understand it. And so I heard you and Paul talking, we, looked, we did in our brief pod afterwards, and I was smiling to myself when you were talking about the soft factor side, the emotional side, and me and Tim just looking at each other, smiling. Because we know, we know what this is like, you know? Um, and Tim has his balance, which is basically, I'm going to see every moment of every game if I can possibly can. And that works for him, and that's what works for me, right? But... I think now you, you've you've maybe seen the other side earlier and you can see, okay, now I know what the hell these two are talking about sometimes. And it just creates yeah. a different balance for you. And uh, that's what it's all about. More inputs, it creates a different perspective for you to be able to voice that over on this podcast, really. Yeah. Well, because look, I don't want to lose getting frustrated at poor play or being able to criticize a player who isn't good enough or being able to criticize tactics that don't work. Like, I like having those conversations. They enrich me. There's something I care about. And I need a little distance from the club to be able to do that because I'm a romantic. I fall in love with it when I'm here. And almost to the point where it's too much. Being at the Emirates, singing the songs, being with friends. We were in a box because of the um, phenomenal donations made as part of the fundraiser, the Arsenal Foundation, and a huge thanks to Mairead King again, who spoke at the live event. Um you know, and to Rob Fowden and, and all the people that, that made that as special uh, an occasion as it was. And, and so it was a pretty unique way to be at the Emirates, not how I had done it before. Um, there may have been more access to alcohol than I might, might've had available to me otherwise. But then but it makes it, it, it makes actually, like a holiday yeah. for you, doesn't it? It makes it like a holiday yeah, feeling. Right? Yeah. And so, and you, and you embrace that. Whereas, you know, I, I get to go quite regular and, and, so for me, I could afford to say, you know what, Elliot's having a bit of fun. Let me just sit here and have a look at this football match. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it's a bit cooler. Uh, and while you're walking around wide-eyed. <laughs> so it's, it's really good. It's really good to see, actually, to be fair. Really good to see it. And it's good, right? Because it, it makes the connection feel really strong. But then I can go back to my thousands of miles away location and, and allow some of the vitriol and anger and frustration to flow back into me so that I can be the miserable git that people know me to be. Um, Tim, how do you how do you find like the, the thing that struck me is like so many people stayed behind for the lap of appreciation. The stadium, mm. as far as I could tell, was packed. I mean, it was a sunny day in London, which helps. And, um, you know, I, I think it's the kind of occasion people wanted to be at also because even if there was a 2% chance of the miracle happening, you wanted to be able to say you were there for it because it would have been really special. But 
do, do you find that you get swept up in the way I'm describing? Like your analysis seems pretty clear eyed and sharp. And like, I don't find that you struggle to see the game clearly in the way that I'm describing. So how do you, how do you throw yourself into the experience side of being at the match, but still be able to come away with such a clear, I think sharp analysis of, of what's going on? So I'd, I'd say there's definitely a difference with the home and the away experience. Um, Interesting. <laughs> I can <laughs> that's, that's, that's linked to alcohol. Fair, <laughs> um, fair. Generally, for most home games, like, oh, pretty much always have like a beer or, th- you know, maximum three, maybe before a game. I mean, yesterday before the game, I must have had about five or six <laughs> before the game started. And that's more in line with what would happen at an away game. And also, an away game, like, you know, the away enclosure is always in the corner, maybe in the lower tier or whatever. Like, generally speaking, you don't see an, an away game gamers clearly that's a it's a different experience it's a more yeah. visceral experience and you might not get the nuances at home you know it it's much easier um you know and like my seats are better uh, and all of that <laughs> you have <And> mentioned <laughs> yeah yeah and the, and you know there's a little there's a there's a little it's a little bit less of like like a, a the home game like the I, i've reflected on this a lot over my life as i'm sure you can imagine but what i love they're so distinct, like the home and the away experience. What I love about home games is I love the routine of it. I love like, and obviously completely changed up my routine on this occasion, went to a different pub with different people. It struck me, I've never watched a match with you guys before. You know, we talk about every single match together, but we've never actually sat together and watched a match together. Oh, that's a good before. point, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's But it's weird, isn't it? Like it didn't strike me until halfway through the second half. It feels like we've done that. Um, because we kind of relive the matches in the way that we do. But yeah, like what I love about the home games, like the routine, the kind of going to the same spot in the same pub with the same people and then going and sitting in the same seat and seeing this, like it's all like lovely routine. And like I, I kind of crave that a little bit um, or, or I have always craved that a bit in life. Um and then, and but then, obviously, like away from home, it's it's a different deal. Like the drinking starts early in the morning, and there's there's probably more of you. So, like, it's a, it's actually a slightly bigger group. I drink I, I drink with different people at home games, whereas away games, like you you don't necessarily all sit together, but you all travel together. There might be mm-hmm. like ten or twelve of you or something. It's like it's it's very very different, and and obviously every away game is slightly different because you're going to a slightly different place and. You know the the results. Certainly, historically, you know, away games are harder generally than home games. Generally, over my Arsenal supporting life, Arsenal have been pretty steady at home. Like they usually win. So, they're, they're two really distinct experiences, and I'd say it's much easier for me to be clear headed about the home games than the away games. There are times, um, and I pretty much put it out there when I come on. You know, it's like. Haven't really seen any highlights yet, and <laughs> I can only remember about two thirds of the game, and and so it, it it is it is very different. But the thing is, as well for me this year, like obviously with the exception of last year when there were no games, um, th- this is like the fewest games I've been to in like over twenty years, and um and and that's actually like that particularly the away games has made me savor it more because I've had like periods of like maybe two or three weeks where I've not like, like I missed two home games recently 
and uh, and that's usually because I'm doing work on the women's side, so I'm still seeing football, I'm still seeing Arsenal, and something I'm very emotionally connected to, but but obviously in a different way because I'm working those games. But like it's made me, you know, sometimes it'll be like a month, and particularly without Europe as well, it'll be like maybe five weeks without a home game. So when I've gone to them. Like I've really, really savoured them again, especially like with COVID last year and not having them at all. So that that's maybe a big part of why I've enjoyed this season so much because I've not been on the same every three days treadmill that I've been used to um, my whole life. And that's and and you know that that's a pattern that will, like I'll probably never be able to do that again. I don't know, um, yeah. w- w- which is fine. And so like. Clive says it's about like finding like balance in your life and your routine and everything like that. Um, but yeah, th- this season's been, I'm not sure this answers your question, but this season's just been like really, really different like that. But I've just been determined to savor it all. And it's been such a nice environment to savor it in because honestly, like the end of the Wenger reign, like Emery's right. Like, sometimes it was horrible it was like sometimes I, re- I actively disliked it it was just like oh come on like yeah no, no one thinks like the club or the team or where they need to be but like you know just people just actively miserable and in fact like I hated that I hated that like to me the fact that that hopefully permanently has gone away um is is just been so it's just made the season a hundred times better yeah, and I have to admit, I don't think we'll ever see that kind of calcification again. Like, I think before it got to the point of being that internecine and miserable, change would occur. Um, and, and I want to be clear, like, I met a lot of people to Tollington, at the ground, over the weekend, went out. And, like, there were a lot of people that, like, aren't satisfied with how the season went, but still say they've enjoyed it, right? Like, and those things are distinct. And, Clive, something really hit me. We were sitting in a really interesting vantage point because to our left below us was the Ashburton army. That's what they're called, right? The Ashburton army, that, that group of young fans that have really been inspirational in, in improving the atmosphere at the Emirates. And then to our right below us were the Everton fans and they were flicking V's and they were being obnoxious. And the minute Spurs scored, they were the first to let us know. And like, and it was all part of the pantomime, but something occurred to me, they were having the time of their life, singing their heart out, happy as could be when, City scored to take the lead. Like, they went nuts. And one of the things that gets leveled at some people who are saying they enjoyed the season is you're accepting mediocrity. That's the thing I hear a lot. You're accepting mediocrity. But it struck me, watching these Everton fans smiling, having the time of their life, it is a disgrace for Everton to be 16th. An absolute abject disgrace. They have been by far the worst team in the Premier League pound for pound this season. They are a complete disgrace. Are they accepting mediocrity by having a great day yesterday? Are they accepting mediocrity singing? I mean, their rival just finished with 92 points in second, and they loved that they didn't win the title. And they escaped relegation on the second to last day of the season, and they were having the time of their life. I don't think any of them think it's okay but they're still trying to derive joy from the football. And those two things are not incompatible, Clive. And so I'm not satisfied with our season in some respects, but I can still say I enjoyed some of it and I enjoyed the hell out of this weekend and I enjoyed the hell out of being there on Sunday. So that really, the irony is it took watching those Everton fans for to really, 
I think, reconcile those two issues in my mind, which is that you can be disappointed and and dissatisfied with certain things we did this season and still have enjoyed it. And those things aren't incompatible in my view. Yeah, I'm not sure what the question was any longer, but I, what I will say... No, no question, no question. Just a <laughs> well, long comment. I mean, would, if I had asked a question, would you have answered it? So, absolutely yeah. not, right? So, um, so basically, right, right. I think... Um, we talk about the search for balance, and maybe there's another question: What does success look like? What does success look like for you? And I think the two are linked. If you understand in your own mind what is success, and then you think, okay, that allows me to balance my opinions based on my expectations of success. But it's that ability to really look at the whole landscape and say, okay, this is what success now is for Arsenal Football Club, based on where we were, based on where what's happened over the last five years, ownership, single ownership bad mistakes, losing people to, to go for a rebuild. We start the first phase of the rebuild. We still could do a bit of housekeeping in January. People start to raise expectations of what success really could be, and we fall one position short. Now, based on that expectation, based on where you are, based on how you view the club and your own particular football structures, will maybe derive how you feel about what you're watching. And I have to say, that's a personal thing, right? And all all I try to do and we try to do is explain what we see and how we arrive here and how we arrive at our opinions. And people go, oh, actually, hopefully, that I didn't think of it that way around. And and that is purely the, one of my major objectives, to get people thinking about a different way of looking at the game. And the people that we meet, the people that are on our Discord channel and who are different to me and how they view the game and have different backgrounds, etc., they also educate me on their opinions, right, and how they feel and what matters to them, what their priorities are. I don't want to change them, and I hope they don't want to change me, right? But it's all about what drives success. What is success? When Arthur Wenger said, fourth place is a trophy, people laugh. Well, fourth place ain't a trophy. You know, no one's laughing now, really, are they? No one's laughing now. And we're all thinking in two years' time there could be five places in the Champions League, and we're thinking, please, let's make that happen. Because we know what it means. It means more revenue. It gives you an opportunity to go and improve your team, which then gives us an opportunity to improve how we all feel about the football. Right? And that's what drives us, really. We, yeah. want to, we want to enjoy what we see on the grass, and we want to see improvements in the playing staff, good, smart, intelligent decisions made by the club based on a strategy and identity we can all identify with. And I think that's what's so exciting about football. Yeah. The horizon. Like, <laughs> you, you, you can love being at the Emirates. You can love being with the people. You can have enjoyed the season and still think starting Tomiyasu on the left was a mistake in the derby or that uh, uh, not strengthening in January was a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, those things are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, I think it was a mistake. I, I think, I, I right, think it woke me up last night, the Tomiyasu decision. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, yeah. so so Clive, let me stay with you just for a second. And this is going to be quick because frankly, like the game is a bit of a blur to me. I'm glad it was fun. I'm glad we won five one. I'm glad like the, the Cedric goal. I, I mean, they already made fun. So they made fun of me in the arse cast and said that I said it was a cross. And that is only because everything he did was a cross. Um, and I mean, anything I said during that game should be redacted due to the amount of Jameson consumed as previous, previously referenced. It was a fun day. I think it was a nothing day. I said on the, our blog preview preview pod that I thought Everton would not be up for it and that we would smash them and they weren't up for it and we did smash them. And I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot you can take away from it, but I'm here to give you 
90 seconds of things from the game that you thought were relevant? Because the time for reflection has arrived. Club, you've been saying, and we've all been saying for the last few weeks, right now is not the time for reflection. Right now is not the time for reflection because there was still work to be done. The time for reflection has arrived, but before it arrives, I will give you 60 to 90 seconds to say anything about that game that you think actually matters. Yeah, I think we are going to do much deeper dives on the season, aren't we? So, um, because I've got... Oh, yeah, we're going to do what we got right and wrong, like yeah. us as podcasters with our preview. We're going to do, you know, this of the season, that of the season. We're going to cool. do, you know, letter grades. We're going we're, we're to, yeah, June is going to be summary of the season month so, okay yeah. so i'm good i'm cool I've got, I've got a few things in my mind right so uh, so i think uh, <laughs> but for this game honestly it, it felt like a it felt like the emirates cup right? honestly it felt like that to me when you turn up and it's hot and sunny and you, you, you normally i always get a good seat for that one and I, I just enjoy it right so it's very enjoyable watching a few players but for me playing football emirates cup style and playing football under pressure is two different sports and I'm afraid we could deal with the pressure when it really counted. We didn't approach those games in a way which I feel was the right thing to do. I think we should have had a pragmatic approach in some of these games, knowing the health and fitness of our squad, and move away from our principles to make sure we maintain the points gap. And I think we have to grow up and say to ourselves, at some point, we need to accumulate points. And to do that, we might need to change something to make sure we accumulate points so we can bring extra money into the club. That's our job. That's our responsibility. So I'm not turning away from that, no matter how much I love the club and love the team, etc. But on this game, it felt like the Emirates Cup preseason game. So what I decided to do, I went into Dominic Calvert-Lewin watch, right? So, um, mm. and some, and I think because I heard Arsene Wenger say something once, he, when he first put Colour Torre and Sol Campbell together, he asked the opposition manager to watch them and to see how they feel as a pair and report back to him afterwards. It's a preseason friendly. And he spoke about how they made him feel, you know, the power, the pace together, how they use the ball. And I've always remembered that. And I thought, let me have a look at the opposition, see how he makes me feel Calvert-Lewin as a player, how he worked against Gabriel, who really fought him really well. And there were some things he did that was extraordinary, you know, though so his jumping ability, which is clear to see. And, his athleticism, uh, he could be one of the best athletes I've seen on a football pitch. You know, to me, he's a good player. Do you know what I mean? And you can decide, we don't know the layers of his game, but athletically, undeniable. And I thought that was quite interesting. So when we're ready for that discussion, I've got some good input <laughs> ready for that yeah. discussion. Because there wasn't much else to see, really, from a football perspective, because it was just lovely pre-season fair when the pressure was taken away and it was very enjoyable you know just one last thing there was a four-year-old boy next wasn't there uh, in the group next to us in that layer and it was his first game and you may not have seen him mate because you couldn't really see but there's a group of family next to us on my left me and Tim sat next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> me and Tim sat next to each other so the group to our left Tim and the, one of the boys there at his first game and I'm thinking this is your first game your whole family's here you're having a day of your life. You'll never forget this. I think for those people, like yourself, coming in the holiday mode, I'm thinking, oh, this is a great day to help you fall in love with the club in a slightly different way. And that's what struck me, more so than the football, actually. Yeah, and I mean, maybe we saw, because I, I do think this was a team that, their legs were gone. They had nothing left to give. This The season burned them out. And you could talk about the mistakes that were made that allowed that to happen or whatever you want to do. But when the pressure was off... I think what you saw is that like maybe they weren't ready to handle the pressure because it. Th I think they come out after halftime 
surely they know the score at that point over at Carroll Road. So they know the pressure is totally off. And the second half, they just smashed Everton. There was no nerves. There was no hesitation. There was no challenge to it. And so I do think the mental side of the game maybe wore them down a little bit too much. And, you know, you look at, I guess it was what, Sun had a brace and Kane had a goal and assist in, in the Norwich game. And I think they wind up finishing on 38 goals and and 16 assists between them or 38 goals and 18 assists or something between them. And we just didn't have that force of nature that could get us over the line. I mean, if you look at it, they won 22 games and we won 22 games and they had a couple more draws than us. And that's the difference. And it's not the games you play well or don't. It's the games where they had someone who could get them a goal from nothing, maybe a goal they didn't even deserve that got them two draws across the season. You know, that that we couldn't get because we didn't have that person to go get it for us because it's Eddie and Kedia heading wide instead of heading in against Everton, right? It, it, it's it's the, Those are the margins, and they had the players that could make the difference in those margins. Um, I did, Like I said, Tim, I mean, the Cedric goal, the funny thing is, didn't Williams score in the last day, last season? And there was this Not, sort of like now... What, it, it, was it wasn't the quite day? the last... That it was one of the last home games, but yeah, 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 one of the funniest manager reactions you'll ever see from Arteta, like rocking back in his chair, crossing his legs, and just going, "Yeah, fucking now cheers, you mate. <laughs> Thanks, for <that. laughs> Thanks for that." Yeah, well, so so the will the, the Cedric goal did feel a little like that to me. But is there anything from the game that stood out to you? The only other thing yeah. that really stood out to me, I guess, was the um, the Odegaard goal. And like at the ground, the one thing you pick up a lot more is the speed of the game and yeah. how small the space is to operate and like how intense the pace is. TV just takes sucks all that out it looks yeah, like there's yeah, yeah. more space and time and then you see that Odegaard goal and the quickness of feet and the control of the ball on a string like it you you really get the talent feel see get a sense of the talent seeing it that way in a way that I don't know that you get on TV yeah definitely and obviously you've been on TV earlier <laughs> but sadly yes it, it, but you know it's really weird what you're saying there like I remember doing like a, a thing for 442 around the Emirates Stadium and uh, Ben, um, who I know is a listener, um, who, who was directing it at the time, um, he was like, you've got to be like really, really, like we're in the marble halls. And it was like, you know, and I was like, oh, and behind me is the marble halls. And he's like, no, 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 no. On camera, you've got to like, you, you think you're being enthusiastic, but the camera takes that. And so by the end, I was doing it and I, I felt like a dick because I was just like, behind me is the marble halls. <laughs> but the thing is, and I felt like an idiot and I watched it back and I was like, God, yeah, like I, I it, it, like it I f- felt a lot more energetic when I did it than it looked. You need to be um, like 50% bigger on yeah. camera to just seem like you're at a normal level of enthusiasm. It, it, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so, yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think Erdogan in particular is just one of those players because of those like those flicks and tricks and the way he takes the ball under control and the way he can get turned and take the ball on the half turn. Like you can see the smoothness of the player. The the thing, the thing I really watched and I know Clive and I had like a, a conversation about this and we, we brought it up on, and that's why I think we brought it up on the instant reaction as well. But I really wanted to look at Nuno because like every other player in this team, I think I know. Um, and then there's, you know, and there's some who've obviously got like, potential some more than others some are young players and you're like oh my god like it's just a case is this guy gonna go supernova in his career he's definitely gonna be good you know but Tavares is probably the one 
slight mystery, um, particularly with Sambi Lakonga. Not well, he came on for the last 20 minutes, but in that starting 11, he's the only one you look at and go, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure yet um, what we're dealing with here. But I, I, I just, I, re- I really think there's something interesting there to work with. And that that's not the same as me saying I'm convinced he is going to be brilliant because I'm not sure. And I do wish he'd stop smashing the ball over the bar. <laughs> like, or maybe he feels like with Thomas Party out, we just need someone to larrup the ball out of the stadium three times a game. And you you know, and we've said it all before, like about the rawness and all of that, but there's something to work with there. There really is. And, and the discussion like Clive and I had was, you know, maybe he, like in terms of when you're thinking of your squad and rotating your squad, put him in on a sunny day at the Emirates. Do you know what I mean? And let next season and let Tierney like put his feet up when we're at home to whoever the equivalent of Norwich is in September or whatever. Like he, he can definitely handle that game and the games where we've got the ball and we've got the impetus. Like he actually really adds something as well. It's not just that he can handle it. He's good. Like he's really good at attacking those spaces. He's really good at finding them. And our whole team is really set up to maximize um, that kind of left-hand side. Like, yeah, I, I don't really... I wouldn't feel as comfortable him playing, you know, like away at West Ham, for example. I thought he was he was quite dodgy at times defensively. But like, if you've got a sunshine player, and let's face it, if you if you're looking at squad players, they're not perfect for a reason. But if that's what he is, if he's a if he's a sunny day at the Emirates player, play him on sunny days at the Emirates. You know, there are a few yeah. of them a season, yeah. and it might stop us wrecking Tierney. And I think that that was what I really wanted to watch and. Yeah, I thought it was, look, again, stop larruping the ball out of the stadium, mate. But there's something to work with there. And I guess on a more serious point, that's that's one of my things, I think, with Arteta that I really want to see. And I'm really going to look at players like Nuno and Sambi a lot closer because it's like <laughs> a lot of the improvement has been because we've gone into the market and bought good players. It's not a miracle of coaching, it's like we've got Erdegaard now and we've got Ben White at centre-back and we've got Ramsdale in goal and they're all better than the people that came before them. So that's not a miracle of coaching. But what I want to see is some of these players coached and developed and you're looking at Sambi and Tavares. Those are two really, really interesting players for me for next season, particularly for the Europa League because I don't think we've seen Arteta do that yet. I don't think we've seen him coach up um, with a with a player who's perhaps not got elite skill set, but good, interesting skill set to work with. That is that is such a good and important point because if I had a big criticism of Arteta two seasons ago, it was that I felt we were too insistent on using regular first team players in the Europa League group stage. And if you remember, we didn't really rotate quite as much. I'm not saying we didn't do some, but I think we could have even done more. And our league season should be helped next season by the improvement we should get from the squad players from hopefully being used to play those Europa League group stage games, you know, uh, League Cup, first game in the FA Cup, that sort of thing. Clive, uh, a quick final word on Nuno, and, and then yeah. we got to talk like lap of appreciation and, and, and just wildly speculate on the futures of players because what, what else is a lap of appreciation for if not speculating yeah. on who's I'm, living I'm the club? I'm not going to let you do that, right? <laughs> not without talking yeah, about football. So, uh, yeah, so yeah I, I, Tim's talking my, my language here, right? Um, there are players that I sort of 
willing. The, the listener may think, oh, he's, he's talked about this player a lot, like Luna, for example. But it, Tim's nailed it. There are some players you just know. You think, I know who he is. Your eyes move to then somebody else. Nuno and Sambi are exactly the most interesting players in the squad because they're what they could be. Does you know what I mean? I, I genuinely think I'm so disappointed by how some people perceive Nuno. Some people laugh at him. And I'm thinking, we have got a major potential talent on our hands. And because of some of the TV analysis from people who don't know what the hell they're talking about, people think he's a joke. He's not a joke footballer. This is a serious football that could be really interesting. It's not just playing him, but using him appropriately. And because we didn't have much pressure, he could just drive and drive, invert, come inside, do some amazing things for a young player who's got 20 games at the top level. He has got something to work with. Another thing on Sambi, who we were told was going to be a six, and then he signed the contract, we think. We've got two sixes now in Elneny and Party. So Sambi's now going to be an eight. That's what's going to happen. And so as soon as he came on, we see him in a left eight, popping out to left back, driving through the hole, stepping away from people. If you're, if you know, if you're watching, that's the future right there. That's a left eight player playing one up from being the second midfielder, basically, who can carry and pass and dink and create. That's a major moment there, Elliot. That's a major moment, what's going to happen yep. next year. You know, potentially buying someone else who can play right and left eight. Now we have a group of midfielders. This is the sort of stuff you get. It's why I always love to go and look sometimes. The players that are imperfect are the ones to watch because they're the ones that could, what could they be? You know, find the good thing. What could they be? And I think Tim saw some things yesterday. Maybe maybe from behind the goal, Tim, you could appreciate slightly differently. You know, the way he, they joined in and their running power and the lanes that they took up. There's some potential on the left-hand side with two 20-year-olds. I mean, incredible. Martelli and him, incredible potential. You'd be yeah, blind. Yeah, wow, they, to, they jumped off the pitch. Oh, yeah. my God. Jumped off the pitch. I know it's hard when they're young, but we got some exciting times ahead. We really have. We really have. Yeah, and we got the VAR experience, by the way, too. I don't want to forget that, so that was that was nice to get that. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the fact that Granit Xhaka is leaving as evidenced by his substitution and the lap of appreciation, and I do want to talk about uh, maybe quick mention that Yuri Tielemans looks like he's arriving. There's, there's a lot of news breaking that that might happen. Um, and I just want to say a final word on the season. We're going to do the whole season reflection thing, but I want to make a point about the league not being a cup competition. But if I sound burned out to you, it's in a good way, but not everybody is burned out in a good way. And that leads me to the opportunity to just say, this podcast is sponsored by better health. Uh, pardon me. This podcast is sponsored by better help. Better help is a sponsor that I'm extremely proud of having on the pod, because I think they do something that is so important, which is creating access to the kind of treatment, the kind of mental health treatment that a lot of people resist getting and maybe resist because it's not available in the area or um, because there's a stigma associated with it and they are doing a lot about that. So life can be overwhelming and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detachment, fatigue, and more. Um, I definitely experienced that. When I, I told some people some of my personal life stories this weekend meeting people, but when I lived in New York and I was an attorney and um, – had just experienced massive tragedy that year 
is one of the most isolating and depressing that, I, that I've experienced. And, you know, it, it wasn't until years later when I got the help I needed that I really feel like I recovered. So, you know, we associate burnout with work, but that's not the only cause. Any of our roles in life can lead to us feeling burned out. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera unless you want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Arsenal Vision podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now. And of course, all summer we'll be talking about the transfer window, which means we'll be talking about talent coming in. And if you need talent coming into your business, the best place to do that is with Indeed. Indeed is a hiring partner that gets more jobs that hires more people, that brings in more talent than every other job site combined. BetterHelp is a job site that lets you attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And with tools like Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a list of quality candidates with must-have requirements that meet your needs or else you don't pay. And I absolutely love that. I I think it is so important that a service should deliver what they're saying they're going to deliver if they're going to get paid. And that's how uh, Indeed works. Uh, It is... It is a remarkable service, and I, I think you know you can spend hours and hours on multiple job sites. You can just use Indeed and get it done all in one place. So right now, it's time to start hiring better with a $75 sponsored job credit. To sponsor your job, post at Indeed.com slash vision. That's in, uh, pardon me. Nope, that's wrong. Indeed.com slash uh, blue wire. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Go there now to claim your $75 sponsored job credit. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer available for a limited time, indeed.com slash blue wire. Go there now, Clive. Is that enough of that? Indeed. Well done. So look, Tim, I'm going to say something that I don't think a lot of people know. The league season is not a cup competition. Did you know that? I, I was vaguely aware of it, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, okay, you may have known it. I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. And here's the reason I bring it up. There is narrative that seeps into our analysis of a league season that attempts to, I think, structure the conversation as though it's a cup competition. So we wind up with things like Spurs beat Arsenal to top four. But that's not actually what happened. Spurs didn't beat Arsenal to top four. Spurs accumulated a certain amount of points. We accumulated a certain amount of points. And their amount of points is more than our amount of points. But actually, Arsenal beat Tottenham at the Emirates, and Tottenham beat Arsenal at their toilet bowl. Like... It is very, very rare that the way a season works is that it comes down to how the two teams played each other head-to-head. What the season is about is trying to accumulate the maximum amount of points you can. And some seasons, that's going to have different outcomes. Look at Liverpool. 98-97, pardon me, 99-97-92 points. Three of their last four seasons. That was good enough for one title. Were they a failure in the season they had 97 points? Were they a failure this season with 92 points? Did City beat them to... I mean, yes, City beat them to the title, but not by a failure on Liverpool's part. Liverpool had 92 points. They lost twice. They scored uh, 94 goals and conceded just 26, and they're not champions. And so I bring this up to make the point that Arsenal won 22 games of football this season, accumulating 69 points. In each of the last two seasons, Arsenal would have been third. 
Okay? That doesn't mean it's okay. That doesn't mean it isn't failure. That doesn't mean fifth is sufficient. It doesn't mean we're good enough. The reality is we lost too many games and we didn't have the goals we needed. And because we didn't have the goals we needed, we didn't finish fourth because Tottenham also won 22 games. They drew two more, as I mentioned, getting them two more points, but they did it with 69 goals to R61. And for all the quality of Kane and Son and all that, it's it's eight goals different over 38 games. But that's why they have those two more points, in my view. But Tim, the, the reason I wanted to say it like that and structure the conversation like that is that the narrative of how we choked the season away is true, but chronology in a season is sort of a narrative-driven discussion. At the end of the day, if we had, if we had accumulated 72 points and then lost every single game the rest of the season, we'd be fourth. But we'd view it as failure because we would have assumed we were going to win the title. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the chronology can really impact. And I guess this is a long rambling way of saying, do you think it's fair to be frustrated, to feel it wasn't sufficient, to be disappointed by the way we collapsed? Understand also, though, that from a point total basis and win total basis and how the season played out, that calling it progress is not accepting mediocrity. It is just a statistical fact of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we finished eighth and now we finished fifth. Improvement. Um, And look at the point total improvement. Because to me, that's that's all of it, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. And and like you say, saying improvement doesn't mean we're perfect now. But I, I think what's more, and I know we've said this a lot on recent podcasts, but what's a lot more encouraging now is it's just quite easy to tell what we need to do to be better. Now, some of it's in the kind of easier said than done category. But, you know, if if Tielemans is the midfielder they want, and I, I think I've spoken glowingly about what I think of, of, of his character in particular. <laughs> um, Understood. But, although, actually, to be fair, I did read some quotes from Rodgers today and, it, and it, it acknowledged that his form's been patchy this season, but he said something like his professionalism has been like complete, um, like really, really, I did see a statistic, Tim, that he's like covered the fourth or fifth most distance in the Premier League this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if that's the guy that they want and it looks like it is and it looks like they're going for it early and it's like right day after the season's done, you know, I think we can assume that bid has been lodged given the information that we have. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's straight away after after the season's done. Um, so I, I think, and, and this is the thing as well that I think people don't like, cause I put up a post and I knew this would happen when I put it up, but I, I posted yesterday, like a picture of what the ground looked like, like five, 10 minutes after when we were waiting for the lap of appreciation. And I, and I said, that doesn't happen for no reason because the last few of those lap of appreciations have, have been, there have been a lot more empty seats than there were yesterday, at least by my eye. Um, and so it, but and, and I had loads of responses that were like, oh, this just shows the club you're accepting it and all of that. And it's, I mean, I guess it's a thorny subject. What is a fan? Is it is it my job as a fan, like to be like an MP and hold my manager to account and and things like that? Like, <laughs> like I don't know the answer to that. I think it just depends on on how you're wired and 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 what you get out of the game. But it's a bit like ultimately whatever like we th- even if the owners did take that as oh look they're really happy like they think fifth is great which i don't think they will um because i don't think they're stupid 
Um, I don't think Mikel thinks so either. Thinks so either, judging by the fact that he did not join the lap of appreciation. That's, that, that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm coming to, right? Mikel Arteta. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's that that's so we're on the same page. Just look at what Arteta's saying. Does he sound like whatever you think of him or whatever you think of you know whether he's the guy to take us forward or whatever? I mean, the club think that they've given him a new contract, so it's kind of immaterial. Listen to what he's saying. He doesn't sound happy to me to finish fifth. He like he's saying, and, and again, talk is cheap and all of that. But you know, he's he's. But he said before Sunday. He said after. He said this is not where we want to be. And he, you know, he applies pressure. I think in terms of you know the, the resources that are needed in the market. Like, and he's done that pretty much through every transfer window he's been here and he's doing it again it's like yep we need more we need more we need more so he and it is much more important there is no one more important to apply that pressure uh to to you know the board or whoever than Mikel Arteta and I think we can say emphatically that he's doing that so almost like the rest of it kind of you know even if you were a bit being a bit reductive and saying like, oh, that's a sign that everyone's happy. Like the manager isn't. And I think that's really, really self-evident. Um, and I think he's made it really obvious. And and, and like rightly so, that's his job, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. I Like it, it's clearly not that, it's really unfair, I think, to say something like, oh, this shows the fans are happy and that they're content and satisfied and, and whatnot. I, like I think that's, that's that's quite like a nasty, cynical way to think, anyway. As well as just being like a bit of a, a logical fallacy, but it kind of doesn't matter because we know that the manager is pushing them, that he wants more, and here we are, not not even twenty four hours after after the game kicked off yesterday, let alone finished, and we're lodging bids for central midfielders. And if Tillemans comes in. Like he's not taking party's place, is he? He's not taking Erdegaard's place. Like that's that. Well, someone has to take Shaka's place now that he's leaving because he was (laughs) subbed on the hour mark yesterday. But but that Um, shows you, right? That's that's a player Arteta loves, and you know, no sentiment there. It's like, yeah, we'll 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 spend on this guy to replace you. I do want to be clear. I'm sort of joking. I don't know if Shaka's going or not. I have no reason to think he is. I I was uh, brought up on the Ars cast as having said he's off when he was substituted at the hour mark. I should remind everybody that at the hour mark, my level of coherence uh, and sobriety was deeply in question. Clive, um, do you, do you want to talk the Tielman Shack thing, or, or do you want to make a point on the point total? Because like I do think you know, like if if I'm Liverpool right now on 92 points, I'm feeling pretty low. But you can't ask a team to go out and do much more than acquire, you know, accumulate 92 points. We accumulated 69. I would have thought that would have been enough for top four this season. I predicted us to finish on 61 in sixth. Um, United are sixth with 58. So the season you have is sometimes not in your hands in the sense that other clubs get to go out and make it feel worse or make it feel better. If Spurs had accumulated, this is what's so dumb. If Spurs had accumulated three fewer points, Right, they they don't win the Le- the Leicester game where they get two goals after the 95th minute. If they just lose that game, we're sitting here going, "Holy cow, we're in the Champions League." McCowartet is a genius, but they did get two goals after the 95th minute, and now we're having a very different kind of discussion. So sometimes 
context is even outside of your control. But uh, do you want to discuss that at all? Or would you rather, because I know you've got a hard stop coming up. We're going to have lots of talks about the season and the summer and all that coming up. So I'm not not worried we'll run out of the opportunity to discuss it. But do you want to add yeah. on that or do you yeah, want to talk Tielemans and chat? Yeah, a few bits, right? So on, on the point thing, Please. We, we try to, you know, I do it myself. We all do it. Oh, if I just done this, we just done that. Then we'd have got points, but then other people may have reacted differently to the to the points that we have. Do you know what I mean they go into another game with a different set of focus? So, I think the things are all linked together. So that's that's one aspect. On the Arteta thing, I I think Tim makes a great point there. I think what you have to realise a couple of things that concern me are really there. I think one of his major strengths, Arteta, is his ability to identify the problems in the club and actually tell us about ourselves. He's the one guy that's come and said, we're nowhere near it, mate. We've got work to do. Look at our goal difference. And he is not letting go. He's not smiling and clapping everyone around the side of the pitch. He's got, he was on the pitch with his family, but he didn't walk around. And if you heard the press conferences afterwards, he's no way happy at all. And he needs to be supported. And I'm sure he's going to get support, otherwise he doesn't sign that contract. Right? So I love the fact he's not happy. So all those fans who think they are the most critical, it looks as though you've got a manager that actually thinks we're as bad as they think we are. Do you see what I mean? Because he needs to <laughs> that feel that thing? way. <laughs> well, he needs to feel that way, so he's the one that drives the solutions. The solutions are his responsibility. If he thinks everything's okay, then we're going to have a problem because what's happened over this year is that we're all in love with each other again, right? Mostly, we love the club. We're all unified. You know what I mean? Thanks for the love. Give a little love. It's all good, right? You know? <laughs> so, um, but what happens then is, hmm, I'm watching. I'm watching. What are you going to do in the summer? Okay, first three games this year. They need to go well. Now, let's not mess about. They need to go well. The expectations are being raised. We expect certain things, right? And it's just sitting there under under the belly, in the undercurrent, just sitting there waiting. We expect these young players to get better. We expect it. You know, we expect another six sides to come in that are excellent. We expect it. There's no, Everything's been raised and everyone's watching. And I think that's, that's really key. On Tielemans, I think it's an interesting signing. I think he's a very multi, two-footed, He's a good passer, not bad carrier. Got he does smart things around the pitch, smart decisions, gets out of pressure, banging shot. I quite like it, but I quite like it in addition to what we have. I don't see it as a replacement. In addition to what we have, you know, we I've just read an article just now, Kieran Tierney is missing the Ukraine playoff game for Scotland. It's because, mate, you needed to sit down or tell the manager your knee was hurting you. You're now missing a major World Cup qualifier when you're one of the main players. Sit down, learn to rest. You know, don't go and play stupid friendlies and do. And it's it's a, it's, a, it's an issue. You know, you look at the season and look at that international break. We were cruising to the international break and then it all went down like that. We lost Odegaard, we lost Party, we lost Tierney. When I say we lost Odegaard, we lost him for three games. He's disappeared. Right and um and our rhythm was lost there. So I've jumped around a few topics there before we get to the end of the season. But I'm glad the manager's got the ump. I really have because I'm happy, yeah. but I've got the ump too. And, I, and if he's got the ump, that means he's going to fix it. And I'm so pleased his standards are that high. Yeah, well said. All right, we got to let uh, Clive get a plane. But Tim, just one super quick final point. The lap of appreciation, or whatever you want to call it, it, it was pretty disorganized, and it was just more of an ambling around the pitch kind of thing. But Bakayo almost did one of his own, and just in like thirty seconds or less, like 
the extent to which everybody gets that he's the man, that he is the star, that he is the star boy at just 20, basically doing his own lap of appreciation and soaking up all that love. I get contracts are about money. If someone wants to offer him 300 a week and we're only offering him 100 a week, he's not going to stay. Let's not be naive. But it's clear from the way he did that lap of appreciation and soaked up all that love to me that like he enjoys the status that he gets at this club. He will not get that status anywhere else. And as long as the money is right, I don't see any reason why he's going to move. I just don't see it. No, same. And and we broached this, didn't we, in the live show as well. Like, I, I, I'd really like to think that this condiment, you know, maybe the next contract is more difficult if, if Arsenal haven't gone where they need to go and aren't competing for the big prizes and everything. But, you know, when he's like 20, 21, because let's say he signs like another four-year deal, really, it's a two-year deal, really, right? Because he signed his other one two years ago. It's, it's, it's on a two-year cycle. I, I'd really, I, I think you're right. I think... For him at the moment, obviously I'm biased because I really, really want him to stay and I want him to sign a 15-year contract and, and all of that. But I, I think you're right. I think, like, why why would you really leave at this point? Because he's got the world at Arsenal. Like, the team is is kind of his. But at the same time, I don't, I don't feel... It doesn't feel like there's that pressure on him that was maybe on like Fabregas, for example, where it was like maybe it's maybe it's to do with the position they play, maybe it's because he's out he's out on the flank a little bit, but it doesn't feel like like everything goes through you. Like there's a good supporting cast there in like Erdegaard and Martinelli and Smith Rowe. Like it feels like he's surrounded by good players. And don't get me wrong, of course he could go to other clubs and be surrounded by even better players than that. But like, I think the word supporting cast is, is quite a deliberate one I'm using there because yeah, yeah. they help they <laughs> him, they enable <laughs> yeah. him. And you're looking at like, say City, for example, and Jack Grealish. And look, Jack Grealish, I, I'm sure he'll be fine at City and this was an adaption year. But you know, he went from being the main man at Villa where everything was like, give the ball to Grealish, give the ball to Grealish. And don't get me wrong, this is probably better for his overall football development and everything. But there must be a part of Grealish. Look, he's he's got he's got a league title in his back pocket, so I'm not going to say like he regrets the move or anything like that because um, he surely doesn't and shouldn't. But, th- but he's not the conquering be, hero. He's not yeah, the Yeah, there the must club. be a little part of him and, and probably not enough to make him think, oh, I shouldn't have done that move. But there must be a little part of him that just thinks, oh, I really liked being the main player at like my boyhood club, like my local club. Like yeah. I do kind of miss that a little bit. And, and, and again, like Grealish is older. He's, he was at an age where he needed to start thinking about, well, look, if I'm going to win the Premier League, I'm not winning at Aston Villa. So, I've got to move on. But Grealish, when he was 20, Grealish signed contracts with Villa. And, you know, yeah. look, we're a bigger deal than Aston Villa. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I just don't see any reason for Bukayo to move. None. No, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, people are going to roll their eyes at this. But, like, even the mo- the people who are most positive about Mikel in the season, when I talked to him this weekend, a lot of people made the point, next season he'll have his players, his squad, he'll be settled in. You know, we're getting to the point where I think people will all feel universally that the process TM has to make now its next 
step, whether you consider this a step or not. Let's leave it. Look, a lot more overarching conversations to be had. Uh, the Telemans deal, the only downside to it is that Clive and I will be doing a scouting video, I'm sure, in the next couple of days, and that may kill it in the 25th hour. So there is that. Love you so much. Uh, the only thing I can say is that if you weren't here for any of this, we'll hope to do one in other places where more people can come together. And if you were here and I got a chance to meet you or we got a chance to shake hands or share a drink, you were a part of something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And I can't thank you enough. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Uh, thank you very much. And, and I just want to add to that. And uh, Paul's not on. It was great to meet him for the first time. And, Too and, tall for me. Too tall. Yeah, although I do see Tim on the odd occasion. It's good to see you, Tim. And you, Elliot. Good to see you again, mate. Thanks. Tim's on Twitter. Just Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always, yeah, and and very much seconded um, all of that and like other people who who helped as well, like my mate Will, who ended up taking about 150 photos at the end of the night because oh, yeah, we, we appointed him as our photographer <laughs> and he made up loads <laughs> of like really nice badges um, yeah. as well for the occasion. Like, you know, we, we really drew on like the Arsenal community um, I think, and that that's one of the things I like as well. Drawing in other people, like like poorly drawn Arsenal, and like the great yes. stuff they he do, the and, logo. and oh, things like that. And yeah, so he did the logo, and Paul turned up with it on a t shirt, um, which we're, we're all quite envious of. So yeah, yeah, just just wonderful. Thanks everyone. Well said. There's a lot of thank yous I probably owe and should give. I'll do them next time because I'm not going to remember them all. The only one that I do want to make sure I do before we're out of here is Andrew, obviously the blog father, the man. Um, can't he's thank so enough, organized, just, isn't he? So organized. I, I didn't find that. No, I, I thought he was an extremely disorganized man, but he's just a nice person. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, very organized, very, very obviously focused on making sure everyone had a great experience and, and also just a wonderful human being who I enjoyed Absolutely. seeing. So uh, let's leave it there before Clive misses his flight. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. And as we always say this time of year, we love you and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 transfer window nil. No.